The following program is brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, and the views and opinions may not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this station. Today on the Travel Guys... In the travel news, the TSA finds more guns and carry-on luggage in one day than ever before. The more alarming news, three-quarters of them were loaded. And Southwest choosing Sacramento as one of its Hawaii-bound departure cities is great news for Sacramento Flyers. I'll explain why. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 3.20, Gwen Duncan checks in with travel tips for Bali. And more importantly, a bigger list of things that you need to know if you're planning a third world travel adventure. You know, glamping is growing like crazy. I'm all for it. Camping with an upscale twist. At 3.35, Tom and I go over a list of great glamping resorts, and you can follow along with us online. Going in search of spectacular fall colors in New England is an annual tradition, and at 3.50, Clayton Whitehead joins us to talk about his upcoming trip to New England and offers tips on how you can plan your own excursion. Our goal, making you a smarter traveler. Thank you for taking the time to join us. We are the Travel Guide. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again Happy Mother's Day to all the Travel Guys mothers listening today. We are so happy to be joining you. It's Mark and Tom. We are the Travel Guys brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And uh, it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, I would, Mark, I always, I always imagine because this happens to me. Uh, People uh-huh. on days like a Mother's Day or whatever, they're they're busy. They've got family. You know, sometimes they don't really have time to sit down and listen to the radio. But we always have that one more trip to the grocery store or mm-hmm. to some place to to pick up something. So I know we're talking to somebody who is on their way to pick up something for their Mother's Day gathering. The travel guys are on, and and I can bet you if we if we do it right and we're doing stuff that's compelling and you know, making people smarter travelers, there's always those couple of extra minutes that you sit in the parking lot listening to your radio before you go into the store. So if that's the case, well, enjoy those couple of minutes. We'll try to make it worthwhile today. Where do I find you, my friend? I am in one of my favorite spots in the whole world. You know, when folks ask me, what are your favorite places? And, and a month ago, you, you, I remember you opening a show by saying, you know, Mark's out on Route 66, and it's one of his favorite places in the whole world. And that short list has about four places here in the United States, and one of them is Cooperstown, home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And that's where I am today. In fact, I'm sitting in my hotel room looking out over – uh, Lake Otswego at the Otasaga Hotel here in uh, Cooperstown, which is just uh, built in 19, opened in 1910. Uh, it's got a beautiful golf course next to it, a lake. It's the, about 65 degrees here today. It is 
a great day to be alive, but it's a great day to be in Cooperstown. So you you couldn't you you couldn't pick a better place. I am very happy here, and I just I want to share something uh, that happened this morning when I took my my group of folks to the Hall of Fame uh, here in Cooperstown. You know, Tom, there's only two places that I've ever found where people have such anticipation of arriving at these places that they just you can feel their anticipation on your on your way there and those two places would be Disneyland no matter what the age of the people that are going kids mm-hmm. adults whatever people are always filled with anticipation as they get ready to go into Disneyland and I have to honestly tell you the other place is the Baseball Hall of Fame when baseball fans get inside that building they are filled with wonder and awe and it's kind of like they've stepped into a temple it's it's quite quite amazing to watch it happens every single time I have to ask you now you know you've Obviously, you're, you're on a trip. There's a lot of baseball going on. If you had someone, and I'm sure you must have, that was, was kind of a casual baseball fan. You know, they're not a hardcore. They, and they says, well, I'll, I'll go on the trip, uh, enjoy a game, uh, and we're going to go to the Hall of Fame. Do you, do you find that going to the Baseball Hall of Fame is like an epiphany that takes the average kind of casual baseball fan and, and takes them to the next level? Oh, yeah. Uh, It's a place that if you're a baseball fan, this destination is one, two, three on your bucket list. And in some cases has been in that spot for decades. I mean, you can't come here accidentally. Cooperstown is an hour and a half from Albany, so which is a secondary city to start with. So you, you don't you don't really get here by accident. It's not some place you can come on a layover or, you know, gee, I have a business trip, so I'll make a little side trip or a detour to Cooperstown. You have to intentionally come here. And there are a couple of other wonderful museums here, a great art museum and a farming museum. Uh, it's just the picturesque American town. I'm sure this place is absolutely swarmed in the summertime, June, July, and August. But here in May, um, it's just Gosh, it's just a beautiful place. Tom, it's the perfect place. If we don't get into the travel news, we're not going to have time for it. But thank you for giving me an opportunity to um, to wax poetically here about Cooperstown. If it is a place that you want to come to as a baseball fan, I assure you that it will meet all of your expectations when you get here. Awesome, awesome. Well, you made me want to go, that's for sure. Okay, as we always do at the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we bring you up to date on the travel news. Mark, what do you got for us today? Well, Tom, let's see here. What do we have in Hawaii? Of course, you know, we've got a volcano that's erupting. Um, Some of the major airlines are issuing travel waivers. Um, The cruise ships have not detoured yet. Um, Here's what can happen. Uh, if the volcano does go crazy or it starts emitting more steam, um, what is referred to as VOG, V-O-G, as opposed to smog, volcanic stuff in the air, VOG, um, which can really be a mess because it contains a lot of humidity and if it contains ash, and that will make a Hawaiian vacation not pleasant. Right now, the winds are blowing the VOG south off of the Big Island and into an area where it doesn't affect anything, but it's entirely possible those winds could change and come from a different direction, and then it's going to have an impact on folks' Hawaiian vacation at that point. So if you have a vacation coming up in Hawaii, I'm not saying you should you know, cancel it, but you just want to keep an eye on things. And if you're going to the Big Island, you may have the opportunity. Heck, the helicopter tours uh, when the volcano is erupting are some of the most amazing things ever. JetBlue has announced a brand-new livery that contains the Boston Celtics 
Celtics logo. So if you are JetBlue's, one of their hubs is in Boston, so they have painted one of their planes to have the Boston Celtics logo. If you are a Boston fan, you will enjoy seeing it. There's a picture at TravelGuysRadio.com. And speaking of things that are online, if you go there, you can see some footage of the fire-breathing dragon catching fire during the Main Street Parade in Disneyland, Disney World. And uh, the flag dragon went up in flames. They quickly extinguished it. There weren't any injuries or anything. But for one moment there, Disney became a little bit more realistic than they perhaps had, had bargained. Anyway, you can see the video of that at TravelGuysRadio.com. I mentioned that TSA has broken recently. May the 3rd actually broke a record, a single-day record, when they confiscated 26 firearms in carry-on bags around the country at 15 different airports. According to the TSA website, 21 of the 26 guns were loaded. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, last week the TSA revealed that in the previous week they had confiscated 90 firearms and carry-on bags, 73 of the 90 were loaded, and 35 of them had a round chambered. And all I have to say is, people, what are you thinking? Um, Firearm possession laws vary from state to state, but if you break the TSA rules by bringing a gun, especially a loaded gun, onto an airplane, or you try to bring on an airplane without having it properly secured and stuff like that, the fines are $13,000 and change per violation, per person. So um, th- this is not funny. Uh, if, you're try- if you're thinking of getting on an airplane with some ki- type of a weapon, you need to make sure that you've followed all of the rules, and then you can take your weapon on board. Also, one other big caution the TSA had, uh, Tom, is be careful about traveling with replica weapons, particularly in your carry-on luggage. Because if, you get, if you're traveling with a replica weapon, the TSA is going to have to take extra steps, including in some cases calling in someone to verify that the gun is a collector's piece and a replica and not the real thing. So really and truly, if you're a person who likes to collect replicas of weapons and things of that sort, ship them home. Don't take them home with you on the airplane. That's just my very, very best wisdom yeah. can you believe that tom people is, taking air guns it, on airplanes it's amazing i mean you you stop and think about it and you say why would someone do that uh and what were they thinking you know it it, it kind of goes to show uh for us nece- people that may not necessarily be gun owners uh, or into guns that there's such a large percentage of our population across this country that uh you know love their guns and travel yep. with their guns and have them with them you know, quite a bit of the time. Uh, if it speaks to anything, it speaks to the fact that more people have guns and take them with them and, and to the point where it's so casual that they honestly forget them. Because I think in most cases, particularly at this, because of the size of the fines, this is not something that they do intentionally, but no. forgetfully. Yeah, no, and so it really and truly, if you do have a weapon and you tend to travel with it, uh, you need to make, and the other thing is, if you're traveling to different states, different states have different rules about those things, so make sure that you're up to date on all, and Tom, uh, point well taken, um, that, and the TSA agrees that many of these folks are people who just, uh, they just forgot they had it. Quickly here, before we wrap this up, um, I wanted to mention why Southwest choosing Sacramento as one of their gateway cities for Hawaii is significant for Sacramento. It's very 
very uncommon for an airline to put in a flight in Sacramento that is a feeder flight. In other words, that other flights are going to feed people into, and that's what's happening. Uh, we don't have times or schedules or anything yet, but obviously Southwest with 100 flights a day is going to try to feed people from other destinations into whatever flights depart from Sacramento um, to the islands. That's a common thing. That's how they're going to fill the airplane up every day. And that's not very common to happen in Sacramento, and that's a very good thing for Sacramento flyers, and it indicates that we might be on the verge of something really big here. We have an airport with a lot of empty gates and a lot of space, and not very many airports can say that. So we could be seeing a service bump here sometime in the near future, and that's your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys. Coming up, Gwen Duncan joins us, and off to Bali. We're going to make you a smarter traveler when traveling specifically to third world countries. That's next on the Travel Guys. Welcome to the Travel Guys. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, here to make you a smarter traveler. And one of the things we're going to talk about today is traveling to third world countries. And we're bringing on an expert at just that. Been a guest on a regular basis with the Travel Guys. I'm talking about travel agent Gwen Duncan with Cordially Yours Travel. Gwen, welcome again to the Travel Guys. Well, thank you, Thomas. Looking forward to this discussion. Awesome. Well, let's start off by uh, telling us that you just recently came from a third world country. You visited Bali with your husband, Ron. Tell me a little bit about uh, your adventures before we get into the, the do's and don'ts in traveling to a third world country. Excellent. When I approached going to Bali, I was expecting it uh, to be like Tahiti, to tell you the truth. And I had done some research, and and when I got there, I was um, pleasantly surprised at what I found, that it was much different than Tahiti. It is a third world country, and um, it is 90% Hindu. So uh, I felt no threat at all. Hindu is really embedded with uh, karma. And so they are very religious uh, sect, and whenever you go to visit them, uh, they've got the temples, and every home that is Hindu has a temple, and they build the temple before they build their homes. That's how important it is to them. And then there are three large temples in every single one of the towns. And if you want to visit any of them, then you have to have your knees covered and they have rituals every morning and afternoon out in the streets. They put uh, little packets with their uh, incense and stuff and they do dedications to their gods. So it was quite a surprise to me, but it, and it wasn't terribly clean as I expected it to be. Uh, it was a fascinating culture. Gwen, when you get ready to travel to Bali or any of the number of third world countries that you have visited, there's kind of a laundry list of things that you need to think about in, in regards to being prepared, whether it's shots and passports, etc. Give us kind of a laundry list of the, the important things to to think about to prepare yourself for this kind of a voyage. Ron and I have visited Bali, but Africa, French Guiana, Honduras, Belize, and Cambodia, and Vietnam uh, fairly recently. And in those visits, we've learned that, of course, prior to going, you need to have uh, immunizations for some of those destinations. You have to have a passport, definitely. Almost all of them require the visa, 
and visas in some instances can be acquired at arrival. I don't recommend that because you can be denied too. And one of the ways you can be denied could be as simple as having a passport that doesn't have two blank contiguous empty pages. And so that could be a little bit tricky. So you want to make sure that you follow all of this before you attempt to go there, whether you get the visa before or after. You must have uh, two consecutive pages that are blank for most of these. Besides passports and immunizations, Quinn, what other precautions uh, do you think people should uh, should take? Well, I think um, for security, you want to travel in groups. I would say in, in any in any incident, whether you're even going to Europe, uh, going with at least one other person, but you want to be sure you study the requirements for their religious or government regulations. And then also, they have some um, etiquette things. Every country has particular etiquettes. That as a good traveler, you want to be sure that you fall within what is considered acceptable. Um, and you know, some of them, even Singapore has some really strict you know, recommendations and requirements. Uh, it could spoil your trip if you were to ruin that. But you should try all their foods. You should um, be aware that their cultures are so different than ours. They're happy but poor and they don't know it, if that makes any sense. And you have to accept what you're doing is to visit them, not to try to change them. And don't be surprised when you see things like, in, in Cambodia we found skinned rats being sold by the pound and tarantulas that were being purchased to make like bacon and tomato sandwiches. I mean, it's, it's shocking to us, but this is their lifestyle. And you should go with an open mind and enjoy what you see. Don't plan on changing it and respect pictures. They don't like to have their pictures taken. You may be charged to have your pictures, you know, a picture taken of somebody. Um, you can't just be free to just take pictures of anything and everything. You've got to pretty much get permission in some of these countries. Our guest is Gwen Duncan with Cordiliores Travel. Uh, we're talking about traveling to third world countries. Gwen has had a lot of experience doing this and has some wonderful ideas. Gwen, what homework would you suggest that people do before they? they travel to these third world countries? Oh, I would strongly recommend that you go to, to the government sites and read up about each one of the countries that you plan on visiting. Find out what their customs are. Also find out if they're having any celebrations or events that either would interfere or enhance your trip. It might be a bank holiday somewhere and so everything's closed. You want to know that before you go if you're planning on going to museums and like that because they'll be closed on the days that you're going to be there. One of the things Ron and I did was we researched to find out what there was that wasn't so much of a tourist trap but something that was really popular even for even the fam local families. We went to a safari in Bali mm -hmm. and, uh, and got to see all the local animals, which are quite different than ours. And then we had, went to a cooking school. We went to try different foods in kind of weird locations uh, by the recommendation of a guide. I would recommend highly that you get a driver and a guide. You don't have to do a tour where every minute is planned. When you get a tour guide and a driver, you can make your plans based on the homework that you've done, and you can see more of what you want to see. 
uh, one of the itineraries that I had seen showed going to three temples in one day. I'm not going to do that. I want to see the people do the food, go to the markets and stuff, and to spend one day going to three temples, and it takes about an hour and a half to two hours to go to each one of them. That That's not something I'm interested in doing. So if you want to see more of what you want to do, plan what um, kind of things that interest you, whether it's museums, whether it's trying food, whether it's going to the markets, or whether it is going to temples. Well, okay, Gwen. with that being said, you know, I'm planning your trip, what's the best time to uh, plan to go to Bali? Well, Bali specifically, the weather's the same year-round, but it's wetter in certain times of the year. But when I say wet, that means it rains at night, and then it'll rain again about 3 o'clock in the afternoon on their busy um, on their wet season. So you still have the morning that's pretty good. So there really isn't a bad time to go. But the best time to go is between April and October. And that's widespread because there are several different areas. It's mountainous. So there are certain areas of Bali that will have more rain than others. Uh, They've got a bunch. They're part of the uh, Ring of Fire. And so there are there are uh, four or five volcanoes just in Bali, and three of them are active. So you want to be aware of that. But as far as weather is concerned, I think you could go there just about any time. And it runs in the mid-80s, and it's more humid when it's raining, obviously. Well, outstanding. Well, it sounds like you guys had a great time, and you brought back a ton of valuable information to share with our Travel Guys listeners to make them a smarter traveler. Gwen, uh, folks, if you want to reach out to Gwen and she could help you out with some of your uh, some of your travels, she's an excellent travel agent. We got a link to her website at uh, cordially yours travel at travelguysradio.com. And Gwen, tell them the website just in case. Okay, it's gocytravel.com. Thank Thank, you. All right. Thank you, my dear. We'll catch you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gwen. Some incredibly good information about traveling to third world countries quickly. Uh, Making you a smarter traveler here on the Travel Guys. Go to TravelGuysRadio.com. There is an article there on how to use Uber and Lyft. And if so, if you're someone who has never used Rideshare before, this comes up frequently in our our mailbox. I've posted an article there that will explain to you how to use Uber and Lyft if you have never done it before. Next up on the Travel Guys after the news, we go glamping. Find out all about it next here on The Travel Guys. Happy Mother's Day from The Travel Guys to all the moms tuned in. Uh, We are Mark and Tom, Travel Guys, here on KFBK every Sunday, 3 to 4, and always brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And, uh, you know, about a year ago, uh, my oldest daughter brought to my attention a little place up in Nevada City called the in-town campground mark if you recall and we we did an interview with the people that own the place and talked about i uh, do yeah and it's uh, it's you know it's all about being able to go camping but not really really roughing it you know out in the dirt uh, on the ground you know, mm-hmm. with the ants and the bugs. Without so, a toilet. Without a toilet. And so now there's this thing called glamping. And it without is, a shower. Yeah, without a shower, which has gotten really big. How do you feel about this uh, this glamping thing? What, what oh, you, what, I think it's awesome because I'm a, I, I, I enjoy the outdoors, but I'm not into the old, the old roll around in the dirt thing. So I, I, I like to have basic human 
accommodations. And I realize that that flies in the, the face of peop, some people who like to go camping, but I'm not a pure camper. And I'm the first to admit that. I, I, I would be the guy, if RVs and stuff weren't so cumbersome and, and many of the people who drive, who, who buy them, tell me a year later it's sitting in their driveway on a permanent basis, mm-hmm. um, that would seem like it would be something for me. I could see myself having a pickup with a camper attached and wandering around <laughs> for a while or something like that. But no, this glamping thing, Tom, this seems like the, the thing. I mean, it's, you know, outdoor luxury, sort of, kind of. Mm-hmm. You found this great article of 14 of the best luxury camping slash glamping spots around the country. And I, I want to encourage the folks who are listening that it is at TravelGuysRadio.com. So right now or later on, uh, you can, or if you're listening to the podcast, you can um, go there and, and see it and see what we're talking about because there are photos and some of these places are pretty amazing. I mean, there's everything from a spot uh, in Big Sur Here's one in, in Marfa, Texas. I confess I'd never heard of Marfa. Did you see this one, Tom, with the you're, you're a canvas tent, and you open it up, and you have a view of Mount Rushmore. How awesome is that? Well, you know, the, that's the interesting thing about, uh, about these places that are popping up, that are glamping. Uh, some of them have been there for a while, but you, you find that they have taken locations that have spectacular views you know, have turned it into a, you know, somewhat of a, a, a camping place. I mean, a lot of people would argue that this isn't really, really camping. It's just kind of like an outdoor hotel. But, I mean, we're talking about places that have, you know, a, a safari-style tents with king-size beds, wood-burning stoves, uh, suites, if you will, uh, large enough to fit a, uh, a separate uh, lounge area with a queen-size leather sleeper sofa. What a great thing if you had a family or a couple of families, and you've got children, and so, you know, they're going to be underfoot of other people, and so outdoors is a, is a great spot. Uh, for them, this company, Tom, that has the one in Keystone, South Dakota, with the view of Mount Rushmore, and again, this whole list, this whole article is at TravelGuysRadio.com. If you want to take a look now or later and see some pictures of these places, um, under Canvas, which has this one in South Dakota, has glamping retreats in Zion, Moab, Yellowstone Glacier, the Great Smoky Rock uh, Mountains, and the Grand Canyon. So I would say they've pretty much aced uh, the national park idea there. I, I, I would think the next one on the list, though, might be my favorite, Tom. Look at that, the ones with the covered wagon. Isn't that cool? <laughs> the the Capitol Reef Resort uh, in Torrey, Utah. That is amazing. You know, when you, when you just look at the photo, and I would imagine it's very, very realistic as to how it looks and how it feels. It looks like you were, you were on a wagon train, and you know how wagon mm-hmm. trains in the movies, they, they round the, put the wagons in a circle and they have the campfire in the middle and uh and all and that's exactly what it looks like uh however instead of being uh, at the end of the the following morning uh hooking up the horses ahead and out uh it's there to enjoy you know what it reminds me a little bit of mark and and we've mm-hmm. uh, we've done quite a bit on it was the uh the tiny houses up in utah 
Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But, that, that 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 have become popular all over the country. Uh, even the tiny house um, hotel up north. Yeah, well, this is. I mean, in the you could see the picture travelguysradio.com. You can see the glamping uh, list here. And the one in Torrey, Utah. At Cap- First of all, Capitol Reef National Park is really an isolated national park in Utah. If you think it's hard to get to uh, Zion or Bryce Canyon, um, Capitol Reef is like Bryce Canyon, and then travel on for two and a half hours to get to Capitol Reef. So it's not as crowded. It's uh, a wonderful place. I would love to stay in one of those covered wagons. That just looks like incredible fun. <laughs> it, it says you won't be exactly roughing it like a Pioneer, considering they're all air-conditioned and have private bathrooms just a few steps uh, away. But old, they look like Conestoga wagons. That's, mm-hmm. that's really amazing. Here's one in Colorado um, at a hot springs, made all from reclaimed materials from the 1930s. Wow, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Another one in Kennebunkport, Maine. That's a Kenny Bunkport is a great town. The Sandy Pines here, that looks like a, a a pretty cool place. What a what an incredible list if you like water in Phillipsburg, Montana. Uh here's the rock, the ranch at Rock Creek, a five-star dude ranch in western Montana that has uh, these amazing canvas tents and here's one that's not far from Civilization Governor's Island in New York, you're an eight-minute ferry ride from the financial district in Manhattan. This one's amazing in that, uh, you know, when you look at the picture, you're going to be camping in a location that, that, like Mark said, isn't that far from, you know, the busy downtown. Uh, And in the background of your campsite, you can see the Statue of Liberty looming in the not-so-far distance. Here's one in the Great Smoky Mountains that company under canvas we were talking about earlier on the Appalachian Trail. If you're looking for one of the glamping spots that's close to home here, you could try. This is a cool one. Auto Camp in Guerneville, just up the road on Highway 101. Uh, You can have your own glamping adventure. You can stay in a classic Airstream trailer, a luxury tent, or a miniature happier camper. Um, Each accommodation comes with Casper mattresses, uh, some very nice luxury bath products is right next to the Russian River. Now that would be that would work. I've been wanting to tell my uh, my oldest daughter who lives in San Antonio, Texas. She loves to go, uh, particularly when she has her and her husband have their anniversaries. They will find really unique places to go and to stay. And uh, this uh, this one spot in Wil Wil. Wimberley, Texas, about 45 minutes uh, southwest of uh, of Austin, not that far up into the Texas Hill Country, and I've been into the, that part of the country. It's it's very beautiful. Uh, it is. And, and uh, there is a wonderful uh, glamping place there, the Senya on Lone Man Creek. Sounds a little scary. It's, and people would say you, you use the word beautiful and Texas together there. I know. And yes, a lot of <laughs> Texas is scrub brush and flat, but there are some spots in Texas that are quite scenic. And the hill country up around Austin and the LBJ Ranch and stuff there are pretty spectacular. So glamping, uh, is, but we're, what we've been talking about 
uh, here, Mark and Tom, with you on the Travel Guys. And if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you can see this entire article. There are some really beautiful pictures along with some links to some of the sites and some of the companies there. So if you're looking for an opportunity to go glamping sometime this summer, or remember, you know, shoulder season travel now is becoming increasingly popular as a way to kind of get around the uh, the crowds. Why there is an article there, and you can go to it, Tom. Before we we head on to talk about fall colors here, I want to take just a minute and uh, talk quickly about something that's coming up increasingly on the news lines and the wires and things that I that I get. People are buying these basic economy airfares, and they're not paying attention to what they're buying, and they're getting to the airport. And, and and imagine your surprise if you walked up to the gate with your normal carry-on piece of luggage and stuff and found out that, well, you you don't have a seat assignment. You're going to get a middle seat here when we're done with everybody else. And no, you can't put anything up above. And that, that carry-on you have is not legal with the ticket you have. So now you're going to have to check it for $25. And we're going to charge you a $25 call it a stupid charge uh, because you brought this bag to the gate and you didn't pay any attention. So now you're going to pay $50, which coincidentally is going to be about two and a half times what you saved on that basic fare ticket. So um, please, folks, be really extra careful. Uh, if you're just looking at airfares and you're just automatically clicking on the cheap fare, you need to look at the top of the column and see that there are probably two f- cheap fares there, one that's probably 20 maybe $30 less. That's the basic economy fare. You don't get a carry-on. You don't get a seat assignment. You oftentimes don't get the same number of miles. None of that stuff comes into play. So if none of that stuff is important to you, and you're a kid or somebody who's traveling with a backpack, something you can slide under your seat, you don't care where you sit, you just want to get there as cheap as possible, then this is your fare. But unless you fit into one of those categories, you need to be really careful. When you see basic economy fare, that means that you're, give, you're buying an airplane ticket, and that is literally about all. So just a word to the wise here. Be very, very careful. And it's really worth noting that Southwest Hawaiian and JetBlue have so far avoided basic economy fares. It's interesting to note that those are three of the airlines that consistently land at the top of customer service surveys. So uh, just a strange coincidence that the airlines that are staying away from that garbage are the ones that are more popular with people. But please be careful when you're trying to buy a basic economy fare. It's um, it's much like uh, back in the day when you would rent an automobile and you would buy, you would rent the economy car back in the days when windows manually rolled up and they didn't have air conditioning or hubcaps. Uh, or come with a full tank of gas or whatever. Uh, uh, and, you know, we, we've gotten used to everything included with most things these days. Uh, but uh, the, the basic fare tickets are kind of like a, a throwback, and you, you get virtually nothing more than you just to get to get on the plane and uh, fly. It's absolutely a sucker's bet from the get-go. The airlines have created it under the guise of saving you a few dollars, and what they're really doing is hoping at the end of the day that you will end up paying more than if you'd have bought a regular ticket. All right, enough of that. Coming up next, we're going to take you to New England. Clayton Whitehead is going to join us, and we're going to talk about chasing the fall colors in New England. Can you be a leaf peeper right here on The Travel Guys? If you 
F plan to motor west. It's the Travel Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano here to make you a smarter traveler. Mark, uh, let's see. Uh, you have next to you one of your road reporters and tour guides, Clayton Whitehead, who takes people to, if I'm not mistaken, some uh, fall colors trips. Let's talk about it. He does. Tom, one of the, the most popular destinations, if you will, for tour takers from the West Coast to the East Coast, historically, ever since I've been in business in, in the late 70s, has been to go see the leaves change color. The fall foliage in New England is famous. Of course, the leaves change color in lots of places in the country, including uh, we have some pretty cool foliage here in Sacramento sometimes. Of course, it comes a little bit later in the year. But Clinton has been going to New England for a number of years, and he has a really outstanding itinerary for folks who want that traditional fall color sort of trip. Clayton, welcome back to the Travel Guys. Thanks, Mark and Tom. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about this excursion that you have. Well, I call it my fall foliage spectacular. And uh, if the weather gods shine on us, certainly the leaves are spectacular. But what I love about this itinerary is that it is a solid solid tour. So the attractions and the hotels are just as spectacular as the foliage. And for people who might be clicking off states on their uh, uh, attempt to visit all 50, they'll get four on this one. Uh, we begin in New Hampshire, we visit Vermont, Maine, and end in Boston, Massachusetts. Wow, wow. When does this tour depart? Uh, it's an October trip. We leave on the 6th and it goes through the 13th, so it's an eight-day trip. And uh, can I tell you about my favorite part? Absolutely. Well, we, we land in southeast New Hampshire, and on day two, we travel almost all the way across New Hampshire and Vermont, and we end up on the shores of Lake Champlain in uh, western Vermont at a little place called Basin Harbor. Now, you have to be looking for this place to find it because it is where the highway ends, and it's uh, uh, an old resort that dates back over 100 years a very non-traditional hotel in that we don't stay in um, you know one big building we're not all under the same roof but rather there's all these little individual cabins scattered along the the shoreline of Lake Champlain and uh, we stay in these cabins now, you don't have to worry about walking or anything they've got golf carts and they'll whiz you all around but it's just such an amazing thing at night to sleep on the shores of this this beautiful lake out in the middle of the boondocks with the crickets chirping outside your window and maybe even a nice little fire in the fireplace. This is all dependent on weather. If it's too hot or too cold in the summer or in the fall, doesn't that impact the... In other words, is there a guarantee that folks are going to see really great colors if they go with you? I can guarantee they're going to see leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, you know, weather is getting more and more unpredictable, not just in our neck of the woods, but all over the planet. But whenever you're looking at a tour that's based on something that Mother Nature brings our way, I think your best itinerary is also is always one that's going to have a lot of up and down, a lot of north and south, and also a lot of east and west. So on this particular trip, we go from the bottom of New Hampshire to the top of Vermont, all the way to the coast of Maine and then down to Massachusetts. So there's a lot of up and down and there's a lot of east and west. And there's also a lot of elevation changes in that as we crisscross the Appalachian Mountains. So somewhere along the way, we usually have really, really stunning fall foliage. Because there's so many different opportunities there. And exactly. you, you throw out a really good thing there is if you're going someplace to be a leaf peeper or to see the colors that... Or likewise with a spring flowers tour. You, you, you want to you do a lot of up and down and a lot of back and forth because somewhere you're going to hit peak.
Clayton, I have to ask two things. Number one, uh, it, how physically capable, how active do you need to be to to take this uh, fall foliage trip with you? And do you have any spaces left uh, on the trip coming up in October? Good question, Tom. Um, I will say on on a scale of one to five, which is how we rate tours, I'd put this one right in the middle at a three. And actually, I would say it's a three minus. It's closer to two. Um, because of the nature of fall foliage, it's best seen by driving through these scenic parkways that crisscross all the New England states. So uh, there's a little more driving on this tour than, than, say, one of my average spring tours where we do a lot more outside walking. Um, also, there's some scenic train rides and uh, a scenic cruise. So we're trying to find those leaves in every possible nook and cranny. And as for space available, 10 seats. So just 10 room for 10 more folks uh, on my fall foliage. How many people are you taking? 30 would be the maximum on this. I know some tour companies travel with 40 or 50 people on extended trips. And at Sports Leisure Vacations, uh, we, we try to, to make our groups a little bit smaller. Do you find that that really has a, a, makes a difference in the quality of the experience? I think it makes an enormous difference. Uh, for example, on this particular tour, because it is a scenic tour, there's going to be a lot of people wanting to take photographs. And one of the things I can guarantee with a smaller uh, group is that everybody who wants a window seat can have one. And that's great for photography. And if you put your friend across the aisle in the other seat, well, then you guys can bounce back and forth. And everybody can always have the good view for photography or just enjoying out the glass. And also, just imagine how much less time it takes to get on and off the bus. And getting off is really important because you might really need a restroom or lunch might be the stop or chocolate or something better than standing around and waiting. So um, most of my trips operate in the neighborhood of 30, and I just think that's kind of the perfect number. We're talking with Clayton Whitehead of Sports Leisure Vacations. He's telling us a little bit about his New England Fall Foliage Spectacular, which is departing in October. Clayton, before I let you go, is there any last uh, thing you'd like to tell folks about this trip? Well, people always laugh at our mountains on the East Coast. You know, I'm a native of Georgia. Georgia's highest peak is only about 3,000 feet. But on this particular trip, we are going to be riding the uh, the Cog Railway that was installed in 1869 to the top of Mount Washington, where there is a very important um, uh, national weather station. They have some of the most severe weather in the world on top of Mount Washington, which is in the state of New Hampshire. And we will be ascending to the amazing height of 6,289 feet. And, and even it, for a California, I think that's a pretty impressive and height. And if you've never ridden on a cog railroad before that's a very different experience than riding on a regular train it's it's basically without going into tremendous detail basically it's it's the train pulls itself up the side of the mountain exactly the grade is too steep a normal train wouldn't have power enough to overcome its own weight to get up this extremely steep grade but with the cog we are literally pulled up uh, kind of in a chain link fashion mm -hmm. uh, to the top. And it's the views, if we hit it on a good weather day, and hopefully we will, the views are amazing. And if it's a low ceiling, well, the ride is amazing. If you'd like to go to New England and see the fall colors, you can go with Clayton. You can go to TravelGuysRadio.com and click on the link there, or you can start planning your own fall colors. Uh, Vermont and New Hampshire, best time to go. Generally, last week is September, first couple of weeks of October. Of course, there are a lot of other great places where the leaves change color all over the country. Check your Leaf Peeper guide online for details on when to go to each 
region in each area. Clayton, thank you for joining us for a little bit today. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Travel Guys here on KFBK, especially on a Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms tuned in. And happy Mother's Day from Cooperstown, the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. It has been a true pleasure to join you from this amazing place. And if you're a baseball fan, I surely hope that you get to come here someday. Remember, dance like nobody's watching. All right. Stay well, my friends. We'll see you next time, 3 o'clock next week here on the Travel Guys.